Welcome to another episode of Here's the Point with Caden Kelly, where I read books and then I talk about them on a podcast in 15 minutes or less so that you can get the, all the juicy details, all of the help for peace, wealth, health, and wisdom. Um, this is a supplemental podcast, my main podcast, Book Club with Caden Kelly, that you can find. You find all access to everything under my blog, kadenkellysblog.wordpress.com. <clears throat> all of this is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, both podcasts are. So uh, if you enjoy this conversation, then you should go check out the main podcast uh, on those whatever platform you want. YouTube, Facebook, Apple Podcast. I got it's everywhere. Cadence Podcast. Uh, I think it's the domain name, and then you but you'll find it under Book Club with Caden Kelly. So there's all that juicy detail. Last week I read Discourses and Selected Writings by Epictetus, who is a uh, who was a first he was a slave and then he turned into a teacher. He lived from 55 to 135 A.D. The description of his uh, so penguin classics they translated his work his works and uh they uh they give him a description he was a teacher and a greco-roman philosopher originally a slave he was owned for a time by a prominent freedman uh after gaining his freedom he moved to nicopolis on the adriatic coast of greece and opened a school of philosophy there his informal lectures were transcribed and published by his student, Arian, who also composed a digest of Epictetus' teaching known as the Manual. Ah, so that's what Enchiridion means. Enchiridion, whatever that word is. So, uh, yeah, so he was a slave for a long time. And then he became free and opened a school of philosophy. So his words are very uh, valuable. He's, you know, it, <coughs> he comes from a place of, with, of having no freedom. He even talks about like being a slave in the sense that if you're attached to worldly things, externals, he calls them, then uh, you're a slave to those things. And that's coming from a former slave. So I really enjoyed his works. Um, I uh, instead of, you know, if you've followed the podcast before, I usually will read the book and take notes of the book and then share the notes that I read or that I write And uh, this since this is excerpts of his lectures excerpts of his writings then uh so th his thoughts aren't like they're not well structured it's not like a it's not like a point a to point b story it's like it's just like a bucket bullet list rather of all of his teachings so what i did is <clears throat> i did my podcast this morning the book club where i talked for an hour hour and a half about his book and then I considered what I said, what we talked about, and I wrote down like the main points that I loved. And I'm going to share with you the his fine wisdom uh, again in 15 minutes or less. We're already two and a half minutes in, so let's get to it. Let's not waste any more time. So uh, yeah, I'll just go down the list, down the line of things that I wrote. So I said, uh, uh, don't fear death, fear the fear of death. And you know what? Since I've got time, so I'm going to make this work. I'm going to uh, read his excerpts because I think because it's such an old book, it's not copywritten, right? Is that the rule? So I won't get in trouble for it. But in any case, I'm going to do it. So he talks about death. Don't fear death. You should fear the fear of death. 
So be confident about death and caution yourself against the fear of it. Just the opposite, in other words, of what we are doing now. Now we shrink from death, whereas our views about death hardly concern us. We hardly give them a thought and are completely apathetic. Socrates used to call such fears... Oh, wait. I don't, no, that was, that was enough. Death and pain are not frightening. It's the fear of pain and death we need to fear, which is why we praise the poet who wrote, Death is not fearful, but dying like a coward is. And I'm just going to keep going. I don't, I'm not going to, I don't need to explain his words. Um, I said, take the advice of philosophy like you take a doctor's advice when you're sick. Yes, I like this. You know what I should have done? I should have like bookmarked them before I started this. But it's too late. So 15, 14 through 17 was, uh, yes. God save me from fools with a little philosophy. No one is more difficult to reach. I've made a decision. Yes, so have lunatics. But the more fixed their delusions, the more medica- medication they require. Do what sick people do. Call on the doctor and say to him, Doctor, I'm sick and need, and need your help. I promise to follow whatever you prescribe. Similarly, I expect to hear from you. I am lost and don't know what I should do. I've come to you to find out. Instead, I get, talk to me about anything else. In this matter, my mind's made up. What else am I supposed to talk to you about? Nothing is more important than that I cure you of the conviction that, quote, we must stick with the decision and never back down, close quote. It's too crude a law. This is deranged, not healthy. This is a deranged, not healthy resolution. Just like you seek out doctor's help when you're sick, you should seek out philosopher's help when you're unhappy. And you should take their advice and not be so arrogant or uh, and destroy your ego. Uh, submit your desires to God's will and your happiness is assured. His God was Zeus. So that's who he's talking about. 22 through 25. Um, in short, don't want anything except what God wants. And no one will stop or stay you any more than they can stand in the way of God. When you have him as your leader, God, and conform your will and desire to his, what fear of failure can you have? Attach your desire to wealth and your aversion to poverty. You won't get the former, but you could well end up with the latter, end up with poverty. You will fare no better putting your faith in health, status, exile, any external you care to name. Again, external is like material things, right? Hand your will over to Zeus and to the gods. Let them administer it in their keeping. Your happiness is assured. So I interpret this, you know, I'm not a God-fearing man. I don't believe in God, but I do believe in external powers. I do believe in a grand power. And I kind of just believe it's Mother Nature. The complexity of life, people assign that to God and his creation. I assign that to Mother Nature and her beauty and her creation. So... If you surrendering your surrendering your desires to Mother Nature or to what Mother Nature has given you is the point here. So either you surrender to your Christian God or to your Greek God or to your Buddhist God or to your atheist God, which is no God at all. But the point is uh, submit your desires to God's will or to your higher power's will and your happiness is assured. You have... All the tools you need to deal with hardship, even if it is just controlling your attitude. 
You have all the tools you need to deal with hardship, even if it's just controlling your attitude. I uh, love this. Chapter 6, 28 through 32. I promise we'll do this in under 15 minutes. Stay with me. 28 through 32. I should have bookmarked it. Furthermore, you have inner strengths that enable you to bear up with different difficulties of every kind. You have been given fortitude, courage, and patience. Why should I worry about what happens if I am armed with the virtue of fortitude? Nothing can trouble or upset me, or even seem annoying. Instead of meeting misfortune with groans and tears, I will call upon the faculty especially provided to deal with it. But my nose is running. What do you have hands for, idiot, if not to wipe it? But how is it right that there be running noses in the first place? Instead of thinking up protests, wouldn't it be easier just to wipe your nose? Uh, he uses that analogy several times, this like wiping your nose analogy. I love I think it's hilarious. But yes, you have the ability to overcome your difficulties, even if it's just your the virtues that you practice. And he the examples he uses is fortitude, courage and patience. Uh, why should I worry about anything that happens if I'm armed with the virtue of fortitude? But you have tools, you have hands to wipe the snot from your nose. And then the, I think the next one even goes deeper into that. Uh, rather than praying God removes our struggles, use the tools he gives, he has given us to endure or fix them. That's book two, 16, 11 through 14. I really like these. And I kind of like how it's broken into scripture so I can easily find these. Our case is much the same. What do we value? Externals. What do we look after? Externals. Or, you know, just things that we desire. So, of course, we are going to experience fear and nervousness. Faced with external circumstances that we judge to be bad, we cannot help but be frightened and apprehensive. Please, God, we say, relieve me of my anxiety. Listen, stupid. You have hands. God gave them to you himself. You might as well get on your knees and pray that your nose won't run. A better idea would be to wipe your nose and forego the prayer. The point is... Isn't there anything God gave you for your present problem? You have the gifts of courage, fortitude, and endurance. With hands like these, do you still need someone to wi to help wipe your nose? <laughs> do it yourself. You could take care of your problems yourself by practicing these uh, virtues, living up to these virtues. Um, uh, on a side note, I'll say externals are you know they're they're he he says they're inherently neither good or bad. Anything like, like uh, um, desiring uh, wealth, it, that's neither good nor bad. It's how we interpret it, right? So if we if we hold this val this standard to ourselves that we need to be wealthy or we're going to live a miserable life, then it becomes a bad thing, especially when we don't have the money. But we we get to choose our attitude towards these external circumstances. Uh, you have the tools God has given you: hands to wipe your nose. He's given you a brain to use. He's given you the ability to uh, contemplate your circumstance and then i think the um oh maybe i didn't even write it down but like uh but the the biggest one of the big things from the stoic is um uh, to to uh oh right no it's right here distinguish things in our control and our reaction to them two six and four. Oh, whoops one more page you will show your own superiority in logic. Oh, I don't think this is it. Two, six, four. Yeah. 
but that's not it. Shoot, but this is a really big point. This is a really crucial point. Ah, I don't know what the quote is in the book, but he says, uh, we have two jobs in life, to, to distinguish externals that we cannot control and to understand the choices we make in regards to these things, to these uh, externals. We don't get to choose what happens to us, but we always get to choose how we react, how we respond mentally, emotion. Eh, I can argue emotionally, but at least we get to choose how we respond mentally and physically to all of our problems, to all life circumstances. And it, this whole book reminds me of Viktor Frankl's book, um, Man's Search for Meaning. And I've talk, I talk a lot about I have a, a whole separate podcast for it. It deserves a short one like this. But his main thing is it's, it's a stoic principle. We don't get to choose what happens to us in life. All, what we do get to choose, how we respond. And just because we respond positively, we respond well, doesn't mean that we're going to get through, doesn't mean that, that we'll succeed. Sometimes we get getting through it means uh, something entirely different. And for Viktor Frankl, he says a lot of people in the concentration camps, they had good attitudes. They, were, they had mental fortitude, they had courage and endurance. And a lot of them still died. And that's, uh, that's not because... That's not because they were doing it wrong. It's because that's just what that's just sometimes that's the card that you're dealt. That's the cross you have to bear. But can you bear it well? Can you endure it well? That's the that's his example for the meaning of life. Can you endure your cross well? Can you bear it up well? So uh, you don't get to choose your circumstances, but you do get to choose your reaction. That's it. That's Epictetus. That's his disc. That's, those are my favorite excerpts. Uh, I would love to hear what yours are. If you've read the book, uh, or if you or if you're a follower of stoicism you could respond here I, I this is posted on instagram you could comment what your favorite parts are go listen to the longer episode if you like this conversation you can find everything at, on spotify youtube apple Podcasts, facebook uh or you can go to my blog kaden kelly's blog dot wordpress dot com find links to everything and we'll be doing this again next week stay tuned